Welcome to the Tour Talk Golf Podcast, where we walk the walk. Now let's talk the talk. I am your co-host, Sean McBride, together with my wife, Maria. We share our Inside the Ropes experience from all the major golf tours. Welcome, Maria. What have you been up to on this little Monday morning <laughs> slash afternoon slash very hot here in Orlando? It's very hot here in Orlando. Um, I, I don't know. Apparently, I say that every year, but I think this has just been so hot, February and now into March. Um, I did go out for a little run today, though, so that was kind of nice. And you had a little um, skin checkup thing, which is always important when you live in the sun all the time and been playing golf for a long time. Well, very dry weather, isn't it, in Orlando? And of course, as an Australian, uh, growing up with a lot of sun awareness, and of course, we spent most of our years, our careers in the sun. So um, as much as I'd like to think I've got a perfect complexion, I'm far from it. So at this stage of my life, I'm just in preventative maintenance, making sure that we're checking up for those nasty little pre-cancers, skin cancers, and of course, melanomas. And um, we do our best to provide some protection to ourselves. Yeah. Did you run with a hat on? I did run with a hat on. I ran with sunscreen um, and sunglasses too, which um, I always do when I go out for a run over here. Did you happen to run anywhere near Bay Hill? Because obviously yesterday uh, the tournament finished and it was a bit of carnage late on Sunday afternoon. Now, we like to sit on the couch on a late Sunday afternoon and mm-hmm. just be such perfect couch experts yep. about the television coverage. Of but course, of course. we had Mr. Kurt Katayama hanging on to win by one shot. What did you think of the Bay Hill, probably the last four or five holes? What were you witnessing that was rather frustrating? It was rather frustrating, I think, for them and also for us when we play that course. The greens are so hard to read. They are really, really difficult. I don't really know why they're so difficult, but it's just, yeah, it's just so tough. Um, and the course was playing extremely tough. Even John Rahm said it played like a major. Um, so it was playing tough, but it, I kind of like to see them play tough courses too. Uh, to get challenged and, uh, you know, the rough is thick and the greens are really hard and fast and extremely difficult to read. That's what I noticed. Uh, what do you feel when you're out there chopping around? Well, I, I know for a fact that I'm not putting on the greens that are running about 13 or 14 on the old <laughs> stimp meter. And uh, no. there was a few putts that got away from um, players like Tyrrell Hatton, who yeah. uh, is quite comical in any particular time he's playing just to watch his emotions. And then, mm. of course... Jordan Spieth, I really, I think Jordan probably should have won by two or three if he had. I've never seen a a professional at his level, which is basically uh, former number one in the world, miss four pretty certain putts in a row late in the back nine. That's unusual. What do you think? Yeah, it's very, very, very unusual. Um, He can be a little, um, you know, sometimes with his putting, he's all on or he kind of just loses it. Um, but he putted so good all the way up to 13th hole. And then all of a sudden he just completely lost it. But I thought a lot, I mean, a lot of the players out there, um, just lost it really, especially around the greens. No surprise that we've seen, um, quite a few players misreading greens number 13, 15, and the pin position on 16 is the, the, Mm. and fifth, yeah, 15, I said, um, it's like an optical illusion. It looks like it should be breaking a certain way. I think yeah. also when they have the um, grandstands there, it gives a feeling like 
the high side is one particular side and the players right. get lulled into that. We've seen that with Jordan actually on 15. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think I think the guys just never got comfortable with it. goes back to the, to the amazing statistic when Tiger Woods wins eight times around there. I mean, he's seeing something different to everybody else. He obviously is, uh, especially that, like the 15th hole. It's unfortunately not a great hole to start with, but it's, you know, the green, when the pin is back left and they're putting from the right, everybody thinks it's going to break left, but it doesn't. It breaks right, which is kind of weird. Um, but I, I, you know, it's interesting to see that they can kind of misread the greens because when, when I'm out there playing, I feel like, you know, a complete beginner of the game because I misread the putt so much. But oh. it's, it's, you know, it's interesting to see them that even they can struggle to read putts. I think you might be exaggerating there a little bit. I've seen you putt pretty well at Bay Hill. <laughs> um, I, think, uh, I think what I do question is with all the technology in the game, all these little things like aim point, um, see players, you know, using measurement instruments during yeah. practice or whatever. I mean, ultimately in the end, that's why I've always been, oh, I haven't, I'm well, sceptical. Is sceptical the right word? Probably is. I think I'm a little on the sceptical side as a coach slash former caddy where you've just got to trust your eyes, you've just got to trust your feel and all the numbers. I know they've taken the, the green reading books away now. Mm. I, I don't think it would have mattered anyway. I think because greens are running at a different speed as the as the day unfolds, by the way. Yeah, that is well. Uh, there's not much grain on the greens because yeah. the greens were really baked out. So, you know, I think it's a bit of a... An indication that some of these things that are around to try and make you a better putter don't really help in that situation. No, no, I don't think they do. But I thought it was actually a fun, fun tournament to watch the back nine um, for everybody because it, it was tough and people were struggling. And um, you know, uh, Katayama came; he hit a great second shot on the 18th hole to kind of secure, not secure his win, but pretty much secure his win. Well, I tell you what, the third shot his secured his win because yeah. uh, from about 60 feet he left it about, well, I thought it was actually going to drop after about <laughs> 10 or so seconds. <laughs> it did, yeah, it did look um, like it. But... How it actually stayed there, I have no idea. So um, Bay Hill's been uh, run and won yep. and interesting champion, Kurt Katayama. I mean, he's a bit of a global player. I guess he heads off to the Players' Championship next week and, of course, mm. the Players' Championship... Um, is the big one. It's the one they all want to win because they love cash. <laughs> of, course, of course they love cash. They all love cash. They can complain about a tour, another tour that they're not on. But, yes, everybody loves cash. It was a big purse here at Bay Hill this year as well. Um, and the TPC course will, I'm sure, play difficult and fun as well. So it'll be a good tournament, again, to watch. And um, it's about a three-hour drive up there for them. Yes, I don't. I don't really relate fun in the players' championship. I've caddied in that three or four times, I think, mm. and there's not much fun because Pete Dye designed that golf course, <laughs> yeah. and um, at any particular moment, um, you could get absolutely penalised very quickly by getting a shot offline. And in fact, I uh, caddied for my guy there for quite a few years, Bryce Mulder, and because he wasn't the longest in the field, yeah. Um, we got left pretty much laying up on three or four of the par fives and the layups are some of the most difficult shots on the golf course. So hmm. it was a tough one. We never really did great there. Um, 17 was 17. I mean, he, I think he rinsed it once, but it's full of drama and yeah. um, they'll end up having a great champion because if ever there's a golf course that does um, promote somebody playing really well, somebody like a Rory maybe, mm. um, 
And John Rahm, oh, I John think, Rahm, too. They're playing great, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, John didn't really finish off very good this week at Bay Hill, but, you know, it's hard to stay up there all the time. I'm sure he's prepping for this week and he will be ready. Um, um, yeah. And Justin Thomas wasn't playing re- well at all this week. So I think there's a lot of them that are going to do well once they get up there. Yes, they'll get settled in. And, of course, once yeah. they go from there, I think they head off to somewhere like Texas. And, of course, there's a sniff. There's a small sniff of Augusta, Georgia, and the Masters. It's just around the corner, and we'll talk more about mm. that as it comes closer. But, of yeah. course, that was what the guys were up to. Uh, mm. um, the live tour is a little on the quiet side until another week or so, I think. So yeah. we'll, we'll cover that as well. But, of course, the LPJ girls are on the far side of the globe over in Singapore. Mm. Um, it's actually not bad because you get to sit there about 9.30 at night. Um, I know you like to put on your slippers and your smoking jacket and smoke a little pipe and you like to sit back and watch all the LPGA girls in the comfort of your own home at 9.30 at night. Who won? What did you think? Have you been to Singapore? Yes, I have been to Singapore quite a few times and I love Singapore. I think the people there are so friendly. The food is excellent. Um, It's so clean. Um, you're not allowed to throw any little trash around. Well, that's you a problem can... for you because you like to throw smoke butts down. On yeah, the yeah, that's true. Yeah, but um, I have to keep them in my pocket when I walk around there. Um, so yes, it's I. I actually love Singapore. Um, we should actually go there sometime. It's nice to just go. There. It's beautiful. Um, so the tournament had a lot of rain, so it was a lot of rain delays, uh, but Jin Young Ko ended up winning in the end, uh, coming back from her injury from last year. Um, so that was fun, fun to see. She was very emotional about it, so it obviously meant a lot to her. Um, you had a few, quite a few Americans up there too. Danielle King um, played well. Nelly Korda, of course, seems like she's up there every week. Um, and Jessica Corda was back again playing this, uh, this week after her injuries. So it was the first tournament. Did not play very good, but at least she was back out playing and she was happy to, to have a 18 hole or 18 holes, um, to have a tournament under her belt again. Um, so yeah, that was pretty much Singapore. I wasn't, I don't think it was too much exciting. Singapore actually is a fun event because they have the, uh, Caddy of the Year award. They have, um, well, a lot of different awards. They have one night when there's a nice get together with players and caddies and um, officials and everything. So it, that's usually a fun night. A bit of old school fashioned fun um, seems to have been lost a little bit in today's um, society yeah. where people can get together and be sarcastic and not be worried so much about cancel culture. So anyway, we'll see uh, the girls because they'll come back in a couple of weeks when Mm -hmm. I head over to um, Arizona, Superstition Mountain, catch up with everybody on the LPGA Tour. But, of course, before I get to that event, I've then got to go to the uh, Mesa event or the Epson event in Mesa, Arizona Mm. also. And, of course, before we got there... This week, uh, we spent some time out at the first official Epson Tour event. Um, yes, in, we did. I'm going to get this right, Winter Haven. Mm-hmm, Winter Haven. Uh, <laughs> for some reason, I kept saying West Haven. Um, I see all the girls out there. Obviously, we've got a bit of a collaboration with the LPGA and the Epson Tour. We're yeah. uh, putting our dirty little fingerprints um, in and amongst the players, trying to see if we can influence them uh, to work at a high, high level with some of our coaching. Mm. Uh, so looking forward to making more progress there. Absolutely. Um, once again, just watching the girls as they go about their business, I mean, it is a 
it is a tough profession. I mean, you're just watching everybody the first week of the year and they've had a big preseason. Mm. Um, some girls are playing for the first time ever. It's a very vulnerable position to be in. Can you remember many, many years ago your first professional event or is that too much to ask? <laughs> well, I do actually not. Re- I don't remember my first professional event. I just know I turned professional after I was done at um, university in Scotland and uh I turned pro and went and played in Europe. I do not remember what the first event was, uh, but it is. It is a, a nerving feeling for sure because all of a sudden this is your profession. This is how you're going to make a living. This is where you're going to work. This is your job all of a sudden, your business. So it's it can be very nerve-wracking for them. And when you come out on Epson tour, even if it's a tour, Below the LPGA, it's still a big step to come from wherever they play. They might have played some small little mini tours before or they might come straight from college. Who knows? So it's a big adjustment, but it's um, it's also fun, you know, fun and a great achievement for them to be out there. Well, so whilst I was there um, on one of the practice days, I did say, see a rather handsome, charming-looking guy on the first tee, sort of welcoming all the players. And I'm thinking, who is this guy? This guy's this guy looks like he knows business, <laughs> and of course, ends up being the new CEO, um, a man by the name of Jody Brothers, and he was excellent. I went and introduced myself. Obviously, if we're uh, collaborating out there, it's the respectful thing to do. I mean, if he's the big uh, chief. Why not go and say hello? And he could not have been more welcoming. I think he's got a really good golf background. I believe he's a uh, PGA Tour, Corn Ferry Tour associate. Yeah. Um, but he just felt like he wanted to take this job. He feels like he could work with the project enough and be malleable and make it better. So um, mm. well, that's we'll great. do everything we can. And he was nice enough to I always like somebody that has a little follow-up email after you put out a business card to him. So um, he's an ultimate professional, big one big tick in my book so we're looking forward to spending more mm. time on the Epson tour and in the company of Mr Jody Brothers yeah so some men's golf women's golf and mm-hmm. before we uh, start to edge towards our good bad and ugly we thought we'd throw in a little section today called questions without notice I'm going to ask you a question you don't know what's coming and you're going to give a nice short sharp response what do you think Yes, we can definitely uh, do that. Uh, sharp and short, we'll try to work on that as well, but yeah. Okay, question number one. Um, if you could caddy for one player that you know either currently plays or previously plays, if you could caddy for them full-time, who would it have been? Who would it have been? Uh, well... Obviously, someone that I grew up watching and adoring was Sevi Ballesteros. Sevi Ballesteros, the yeah. European legend. Right. So, to me, obviously, if he was the one, then um, yes, I would definitely would. I would have loved to just see him play. Unfortunately, I wasn't um, able to ever, but. He uh, was such a character, such charisma, and um, I just loved watching, you know, watching him, whatever he did, the the feel that he had in the touch and the love and the passion for the game. It was uh, it's unbelievable. Yes, there's uh, two professional players that I've been um, within, within arm's length of as a professional caddy over mm. the years, and they both exuded um, 
charisma and sex appeal, even coming from a man's point of view, and that was <laughs> Seve Ballesteros and the yeah. other one is Fred Couples. And I can right, tell you right. right now you would have struggled to caddy for either of them going weak at the knees. <laughs> Uh, carrying that golf bag. So, yeah, Sylvia Ballesteros, yeah. excellent. Have you got a question from what? I do have. Um, so, when you work with a player, why is it important to work on the tournament prep warm-up? The tournament prep warm-up um, is an art form in itself. So, when the girls or the guys get to a golf tournament, they're trying to find a rhythm and a flow. Um, so, if they know the golf course really well, they're probably a bit more comfortable but as a coach or even as a caddy, um, but particularly as a coach, what you're trying to do is ease that player into that rhythm, heading from, you know, getting their practice round, uh, surveying the course, um, preparing short game really. Short game is really important just to get comfortable with where everything is in regards to the, the surface, the grass, the putting, uh, putting green, the speed of the greens. Mm-hmm. So the preparation is really important. Um, to not just really be going hard at technical work. That's probably been done more in the off week. And now you're just sort of almost sort of tapering towards the Wednesday, Thursday start. And if you can get really good at that every particular week, um, there's a very good chance that you will take away a lot of performance anxiety because you're just slightly under where the optimum performance you want to be, which will be Thursday. So Mm -hmm. I would say the preparation comes in many, many different forms. Right. But um, more coaches that spend time just almost decluttering and de-escalating the sort of want to be perfect, the better. Okay. Okay. I've got one last question for Mm -hmm. you. Um, Now, if you can roll back your little memory, what is the one piece of clothing or equipment that if you had your chance to use it again, you would use it? What would it be? Can you remember a piece of clothing or an equipment that you just thought, oh, I like that, I really look good in that, or it does everything I want it to do? What is it? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I had a – obviously, when I started out playing, we played with persimmons, which is wood clubs, Uh, and then the metal clubs started to to creep in, and I had a – seven wood actually that was unbelievable i used it all the time so it was still kind of made from metal um and it was compared to now it was very small but it was yeah i just had it all the time and um i cracked one and then my sister had one so i had to take hers after that because it was a club that i was using all the time. It was definitely my favourite club and I would love to use it again. A seven wood. doesn't really matter yeah. what the number is on a club sometimes, Some, as long as you obviously know how far it goes. Yeah. But ultimately yeah. in the end, if a club just looks great and it feels great, there's mm. a very good chance you'll always love it. So a seven wood for Maria, a yep. little metal seven wood. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, was, uh, it was interesting when the metal wood's starting to come out. Uh, so I have a question here. Obviously, in Singapore this week was a lot of rain delays. Mm. What is the most important thing for you as a caddy to think of when you start up again? Uh, Have you drank too much at the pub just around the corner to be able to drive back to the golf course and start caddying again? Mm. (laughs) (laughs) That uh, That is not true. Um, we're very prof- we're very professional back in our day. Very, very professional. What is the main thing? 
Well, there's a couple of things that you need to be uh, ready for when there is a rain delay, when they blow that siren, is if you are, let's take, for example, no matter where you are on the golf course, but particularly a par four or a par three, uh, if you're um, just about to give the yardage, um, make sure you or you're in between getting yardages, make sure you go and walk off the yardage. Um, and have that yardage because then if there's a chance that the player warms up when they come back, you can hit a bunch of shots at that exact yardage that you're going to have when you get back out on the golf course. So that's pre-delay. Um, and then, of course, as the delay goes on, really the athletic mind and body sort of shuts down a little bit. So it's probably more imperative that the player comes back out and I wouldn't say just warms up physically but really starts to get a bit sharper mentally as well. And as a caddy, or if I'm coaching a player, I would make sure that the caddy is well aware to get a nice visual shape in mind of what he or she, the caddy, wants the player to do. So it kind of feels like, um, you know, players go and switch off mentally, they eat a lot uh, through boredom at rain delays, and they come back out and they're a little bit sluggish mentally. So just get get back in behind the ball, good communication between player and caddy, you know the yardage, here's the shot, and then almost challenge them to picture the shot and call the shot sometimes just so they come up a little bit sharper mentally. So okay. little tricks to the trade. Yeah. yeah. Um, so a couple of questions there, back mm. and forth. Why not? It's a little filler. We had nothing else to talk about, so why wouldn't we talk about it? But yes. we have got, yes. we've got to that little special time in the potty, the good, bad and ugly. <laughs> We sure have, and um, I have come prepared um, for this that I really like to do. Have you come prepared um, this week? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, okay, well, that's good, that's good. Um, So I'm going to start with my good. And um, I saw the good was, um, you know, Jin Yong-ko. She defended her title in Singapore, uh, and because she's been... She was injured a lot last year and she couldn't really play that much. And um, uh, she had to take a lot of time off this off season. Um, she actually went to Finland uh, to watch the um, Northern Light. And she went to France or whatever. So she did a little bit of traveling outside and stayed away from golf and some heavy exercises. So I thought that was um, a good and good for her to come back. A nice good, a good, solid good, a good start, Maria. Well yeah. done. Mm-hmm. My good. Um, yeah is it was bike week it's currently bike week in daytona and sean just took off to daytona with his little harley and just burned around there and it was just a good feeling to be back back (laughs) on the harley family um sean's been away for a little bit Uh testing other motorcycles and decided to put a little harley back in the family and i felt comfortable around my my like-minded peers (laughs) like-minded okay which are all pretty much um 50-year-old white guy, slightly overweight. So I felt mm. pretty comfortable, although, uh-huh. as we found out, I cut out a lot of junk food this week and lost a few pounds, which was a bit of an issue last week. Yes, so it was. It was. We're You've done well. a good job. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much. Mm. Have you got a bad for us? Well, I kind of have too bad in a way. Um, so Victor Hovland this week, he cracked his three-wood on the 13th hole on Saturday. Mm. And... Um, 
which is probably not a good sign for TaylorMade. Uh, but he called TaylorMade. They didn't have anyone that he couldn't send it. So he actually went to the PGA Superstore up the road and got the same head that he used. Um, so his caddy sipped up there, uh, paid a visit to the PGA Superstore on that Saturday evening and got the new head and put it back in the bag on Sunday. So that was, it's kind of a little bad for TaylorMade that, you know, they can really help him out, but it sort of it got itself sorted out. The swing speed of the modern day player, crushing faces. I have not yep. got a bad. No, so We're going I, straight yeah. onto your ugly. No, I said I had two. You had two bads. Two That's bads. a bad for me. That is yeah, my bad. Yeah, so I take over your bad. Okay. And this is actually uh, Djokovic. Yes. He wanted to come in here to America and play the Miami Open. Yep. He obviously wants to play the US Open. He put in a petition to um, Mr. Biden, but he got denied. So he's still not allowed to come into the country. He has chosen not to take the vaccine. So they're still denying him to come in. Well, I'm choosing not to get anywhere near a political statement there. So um, <laughs> no. bad on all accounts. Yeah. yeah. Have, you, have you got an ugly for us? I, yes, I have an ugly because my Tampa Bay Lightning is really not very good at the moment. They have lost the last five games, 3-7, 1-4, 4-5, 3-5, and the last game, 0-6. They are not doing very good right now, so I'm hoping that they can turn around a little bit. They still have, I think, about 20 games to go before playoffs, but um, I'm hoping that they hang in there and go to the playoffs. They're off the boil a little bit, aren't they? Yes, and they as are. they head towards uh, the playoffs, um, mm. the season is starting to wind up a little bit, much like this podcast for this particular week. And before we go, can you just remind everybody, please? Yeah, to subscribe to our YouTube channel, to follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. And also, I will remind you that we walk the walk. Now, let's talk the talk. See you next week.